Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. This is a recording of our Wednesday morning Bible study held weekly at Chapel Hill and led by our Minister of Education, Casey Spiker. We walk each week verse by verse through the scriptures, one book at a time. If you wish to join us in person, we meet each week at 10 a.m. in our sanctuary. We'd love for you to join us. Now let's open up God's Word together and see what God says to us today. All right, y'all, today is lesson 14. Lesson 14, we're in chapter 7, so that's roughly two, two per, uh, per chapter there. Uh, ch- chapter 7 is probably going to take us at least two weeks, maybe three, depending on how as I continue studying it and, and looking through it, getting through it. There's a lot of really good stuff in chapter 7. Chapter 7 is a, really, really not just 7, but now 7 through 11 are chapters that deal with wisdom. All right, uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that. We've talked about money. We've talked about all these other things over the last few weeks. But for a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about wisdom. Uh, so, so today he's going to take uh, really and truly these first 14 verses of, of Ecclesiastes 7 really feel like they could fit very well in Proverbs. Uh, when you go through and read Proverbs, there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of good insight. There's a lot of good instruction there. And so this, this first little bit really feels like that uh, it, it could belong in the book of Proverbs, all right? So here's, here's what's going on in Solomon's writing in this chapter, all right? So first of all, he's going to contrast wisdom versus folly, wisdom versus, you know, wrong actions, mistakes, foolishness. Um, and so we're going to get a, a good, I mean, look, I don't need to tell this group, right, that wisdom is better than being foolish, right? I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty well a no-brainer moving forward. But hey, we, we still got to talk about it. We're still going to talk. I could just sit here and tell you wisdom is better than being foolish, and we could pray and go home. But we're going to unpack it, all right? Solomon is kind of, you, you could almost see Solomon sitting on a, on a teetering spot here. So he's telling us about these things that have happened in life, and he's telling us about faith. He mentions God uh, three, four, five times in this chapter, so he's going to get back to now pointing us in the right direction, but he's almost at a point, looking back, that he could have gone one of two directions. He could have, he could have just seen this whole thing is useless, this whole thing is futile, right? And it would have been very easy to just say, it's all useless. I'm just moving on and going to do my thing, and whatever happens, happens. But instead, he, does, he goes the opposite direction. He, he chooses to understand that God is, though, though we do a lot of foolish things, he, he chooses to go the direction of, with God, not everything is, is foolish. Not everything is futile. Not everything is vanity, is his word. All right, so he kind of he makes the right choice. He kind of heads the right direction here. All right, so again, this chapter mentions God. This chapter mentions wisdom. So we kind of infer from this, and maybe not even infer, maybe he's just saying it, that wisdom comes from God. We understand that. And look, if anybody's going to understand that, it's Solomon. What did he pray for? He had an opportunity to pray, and he asked the Lord to give him wisdom. All right, so we have books of the Bible written by this man that give us the wisdom that God imparted on him. All right, so this book is about wisdom, this whole thing, right? So now, in today's lesson, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. We're going to look at 1 through 10 today. 
we're going to understand that essentially wisdom makes life better. And again, I could tell you that, we could pray and go home. Wisdom makes life better. It's a no-brainer, right? He starts with a few ideas, though. He's going to say some things in this first ten verses that are going to make you scratch your head just a little bit. All right? So y'all ready? You got your fingers ready? You ready to scratch your head just a little bit? All right, look, let's read chapter 7. Let's start in verse 1. He wastes no time with the head scratching, all right? So verse 1, a good name is better than a good ointment. No problem with that statement at all. Until he says this, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Y'all do it with me. Come on. It's fine. Verse 2, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of, feast, a house of feasting because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. Here's another one. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Just a show of hands. Just a show of hands on the, on the surface. How many of you agree with that? You'd rather be sad than happy. Anybody? Anybody? One. One raised their hand. We'll talk later. All right. <laughs> all right. Sorrow is better than laughter. Maybe you'll all understand that, though, when we're going in just a minute. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of the morning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. All right, then he transitions a little bit here, and he says this in verse 5, it is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. All right, so that's the second section. The third section, uh, actually the, the next line, yeah, 7 through 9 says this, for oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Now, here's where, here's where we're going to have some fun today. Verse 10. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. All right, so there's our 10 verses today. There's our 10 verses for today. Let's jump in and let's look at the wisdom that Solomon wants us to talk about. So the first thing we're going to look at, verses 1 through 4. This is, a, this is a, a, again, it's a head scratcher. It makes you stop and think. Verses 1 through 4, literally verse 3 says, sorrow is better than laughter. Sorrow is better than laughter, all right? So that's, that's, let's talk about that. He jumps in. He doesn't waste any time. Verse 1 has this shocking statement right, in the, right at the end of it. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And when we just read that out of context, we're not real sure what he's talking about there. Because look, we're all happy we were born. Not many of us are looking, I mean, we're looking forward to heaven but the actual day of our death is not something we got circled on a calendar and planning a party for, right? We're, we, we, don't, we, we, we want heaven. It's like the old song, I, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight, right? So the day of one's death, he says, is better than the day of one's birth. You think, now think about this. Think about this. We just had a staff baby born at church on 
Sunday morning, and we rejoice over the birth of a new child. We celebrate. We, we post things, and we have balloons, and we have little teddy bears, and we have showers, and we have parties, and we celebrate the life, the new life of a newborn baby. But that's not what a funeral looks like, is it? You ever gone to a, a funeral that had a bunch of balloons and, and everybody got one of those things that you blow with and a little party thing and everybody gets a little party bag and we celebrate, yay, they're gone. Not how a funeral works, at least not in our, our culture, okay? So now, what in, the, what, in the, what in the world could Solomon possibly be saying? So we need to know that we can't take the second part of verse 1 out of context. It has to be lumped together with the first part. The first part says a good name is better than a good ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. He says in verse 2, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. We can't separate those two lines. So now, in reality, what you need to know here is Solomon is not contrasting birth and death. I know on the surface it looks like he's contrasting birth and death. Better is death than to be born. But it's, he's really kind of not talking about that. When you get into the original language, when you get into the original meaning of the words, he's really saying it has to do with the name that you make for yourself. All right? So he's contrasting the day you receive your birth name and he's contrasting that with the day that your name is published with a date of death and with a list of accomplishments and all your family members. He's talking about your um, obituary. So the, the day that you receive your name and the day that your name is published. He's talking about that, all right? So Ultimately, though, he's talking about the name that you make for yourself, your reputation, if you will, because at the beginning he says what? A good name is better than a good ointment, all right? So now, I read this quote this morning, and I thought this was really good. Every man has three names. Probably applies to women, too, okay? So just the quote was man. I'm reading it that way. Every man has three names, one that his father and mother give him, one is the name that others call him. Three is the name that he acquires for himself. Right? So you have the name, my name, Casey Andrew Spigner, born January 15, 1976. My parents took a birth certificate, filled in the names, not, I would, not the name I would have chosen for myself. Let's just, if I'm being honest, mom and dad, if you're listening, I just, I, I don't know if you knew that or not, but now you do. Um, so cho chose a name, gave it to me. It's my birth name. It's the name that they chose for me. It has meaning. We chose the names for our kids. They have meaning in their names. All right. So now, but the other thing that we have to understand is that name that we build for ourselves, that reputation that we build for ourselves. Um, I, I've heard Shannon talk about this several times. On every tombstone, there's a, a date of birth and there's a date of death. And what's in between those two names, those, those dates? A dash. All right, the dash is in, seemingly insignificant. If you just look at it, it's just literally just one little chisel. And they took the little dash, put it on there. But what does that dash represent? 
everything in between the day that you were born and the day that you died. The dash is what you have that God has given you with which you make a name for yourself. Now look, I need you to hear this. I know that as Christians, our main goal is not to make a name for ourselves. We are put here to point people to Christ and make much of Him, right? But you understand, Solomon is not just simply talking from a Christian perspective. He's not talking just simply from the perspective of a saved person. He's just talking as a human being. And basically, he's trying to tell us that when we're living, we should do the very best that we can so that when we pass away, so that when that day of death comes, so that people talk well of us. Right? And look, so I've heard several of you, several of you, your spouses have gone on to be with the Lord, and I've heard several of you talk fondly of your spouse. That's kind of where we're going with this, right? That's kind, of, that's kind of the ideal that we have in play here, all right? He says, if you die, if you and I die with a good reputation and others speak highly of us, then the day of death is, at least in context, sweet and satisfying, right? Uh, so we need to know that that makes things better. When people think highly of us, when people think well of us, when people remember us fondly, it makes that day of death a little, a little less sting, a little more significant. And I know that we're talking about people dying, and I hate to even say the word satisfying and sweet because I know, I know that that's not our first state of mind when that takes place, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of what he's saying here, okay? Now, real quick, since we're talking about, and it sounds like Proverbs, y'all turn with me real quick to two verses. Uh, turn over to Proverbs uh, chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. In Proverbs chapter 10, uh, in verse um, 7, Solomon writes this. He says, The memory of the righteous is blessed. But the name of the wicked will rot. The memory of the righteous, the memory of that person. First of all, we need to understand the word righteous here. Again, may or may not have a spiritual context to it. The word righteous here just means a good person. All right. So the memory of a, of a good person, the memory of the righteous is blessed. It's well remembered. But the memory of the wicked I mean, that's, this is pretty harsh. It says, we'll rot. So basically, we need to understand that our goal should be that. Turn to one more thing. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. In verse 1, we see this. Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 1. It says, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold, right? Good name is to be more desired than great wealth. All right, so he's telling us when he says the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth, he's telling you that to die with a good name is something that you, you're not born with a good name. You're born with whatever name your parents gave, right? You die with a name that you create for yourself. 
That's essentially where he's going with that. All right, now, verses 2 through 4, before we move on to the second section. Verses 2 through 4, in, in this passage, Solomon is essentially trying to tell us not to run from death. Not to run from death. Uh, I, I know younger folks who, who have not experienced it in their life. They're scared of it. They, they, don't know, they don't know what to make of it. They don't go to funerals. They don't go to visitations. They, if, so, if they were to come in here and there were to be a casket here, they wouldn't walk down front and pay their respects. They don't want to acknowledge that it's real. If they ignore it, if they, if they don't visit it, if they don't view it, then in their minds it hasn't fully happened. But y'all, that's not realistic, is it? Short of the return of Christ, before we all pass away, every single one of us is going to face death. It's coming for every single one of us. I hope, I pray, for every single one of us, it's a long time off. But, Short of the return of Christ, death is going to take place for every human being. It's part of the human condition, right? So Solomon is basically telling us in verses 2 through 4, don't ignore it. Don't pretend it isn't real. Don't pretend it doesn't happen. So in his, in his, in his verse, sorrow is better than laughter. When a face is sad, a heart may be happy. What he's trying to tell you is there are things to be learned from death. There are things to be learned. There are, there are ways to grow. While your face is sad, he says your heart can be happy. That only happens through growth. That only happens from a, from a maturation, a maturing in your life and growing closer to God. Your face is sad. We understand that death is a sad thing. Okay, I'm not trying to diminish that, but Solomon is trying to tell you that you can grow from it. But when you, when you avoid it, when you pretend it didn't happen, when you pretend it's not real, when you say, well, that's never going to happen to me, <laughs> first of all, that ain't right, right? Okay? Um, so if you pretend those things, though, you're closing off your heart, you're closing off your mind to be able to learn from those things. Solomon is basically saying this, y'all, there are worse things than death. There are worse things than death. Y'all, I don't know if y'all know this or not. Both of, both of Jennifer's parents have passed away. Her dad passed away 2002-ish, somewhere along in there, and her mom uh, in, in 2008. Um, her dad was sick for a very long time, had many, many strokes, was non-communicative, just for the last few years of his life, there was not a lot of quality. I'm not saying there was none. I'm just saying there was not a lot of quality. And they, they watched him suffer. They watched him go through things. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen that with your spouse. You've watched him suffer. You've watched him go through terrible things. Jennifer's mom went to bed one night and didn't wake up the next morning. As far as we know, she didn't, she didn't appear. She just looked like she was just laying there asleep when they found her. And we've, we've had this conversation several times. I don't know if she listens to this. Um, but we've had this conversation several times. Which is better? <laughs> Not that either one are great, right? She lost her parents. She, she mourns. She grieves. She misses them like crazy. 
But which of those is better? I mean, if I asked you right now, would you rather suffer for a long time or just go to sleep one night and not wake up? I, I know which one I would answer. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's what, I, what, what we pray for. I, I'm just simply saying sometimes death is, a, death is gracious. It keeps us from going through the suffering and the agony and going through those things. He's just essentially saying, y'all, there are things that are better than death. And we can learn from death. We don't need to pretend that it's not real. We don't need to pretend. It's, it's, it's common to all of us. It just is, okay? Basically, that first section, sorrow is better than laughter. The second section, verses 5 and 6, basically says that being scolded, being rebuked, is better than being praised. Now, again, I'm going to ask you the question, the hypothetical question. If I, if, if you, if I was, gave you two choices, I'm going to yell at you and scream at you for the next five minutes and tell you all the things I don't like about you, or I'm going to tell you that you are magnificent for the next five minutes. Anybody, is that, that's pretty much a no-brainer, right? Well, don't get ahead of me, Sandy. All right, so at the end of the day, our desire, we much rather have praise leaped and lavished upon us than we would to have somebody yell at us and tell us how bad a job do we do or that I don't like us and all these other things. Just human nature. I'd much rather you tell me I'm wonderful than tell me you hate me. I mean, that's just human nature. Human nature, okay? So in verses 5 and 6, Solomon again wastes no time. He says, it's better to listen to the rebuke of wise men, okay, than the song of fools. So here's the thing, y'all. Too many unsuccessful people surround themselves only with people who tell them what they want to hear. You ever heard the expression, yes men? He's, a, he's just a yes man. That means... I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you think I should do this? And you're going, yeah, that sounds great. It could be the worst idea ever. I have some bad ideas from time to time. Fortunately, I have somebody that said, that's a, that's a bad idea. We probably shouldn't do that, right? All right, so you understand the point. Yes, men serve no purpose other than to tell you yes and make you feel really good about yourself before you do something foolish, okay? But he says it's better to be rebuked by wise men, then, the same, then listen to the song of fools. Now that song of fools, I love that phraseology there that Solomon uses. The song of fools. He's singing your praise. Somebody is just singing your praise. They're just telling you how great you are. You never mess up. You're just perfect the way you are. And God bless you. I don't think you've ever done anything wrong. Right? Well, y'all, that, that's, just, that's just foolish. That's a good fancy word for it right there, hogwash, right? Because listen, all of us, all of us need correcting from time to time. All of us need correcting from time to time. Now, the way he describes these song of fools, I think this is interesting. In verse, in verse, uh, for six, verse six, for as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This too is futility. I, that crackling of thorn bushes. That talks about putting thorn bushes in a fire. Y'all ever lit thorn bushes up? What do they do? When they're dried out, what do they do? They crackle and pop. It's, it's almost like you're eating a bowl of Rice Krispies with a microphone in front of them, right? Just, just this, this sound. It's really kind of a cool sound, kind of a relaxing sound. But what, is it, what, is, what happens to dried out thorn bushes when you burn them? How, how long does it take to get rid of them? That long, right? 
they disappear in a hurry. Now, I, I, I sat here and thought about through what he meant by putting a pot, right? Putting a pot over it. What, is, what does that mean? So, uh, for crackling of thorn bushes under a pot. Came up with two thoughts, and they're kind of opposite, so I don't know. The pot could be an amplification. You take the pot, you kind of, it, it increases the sound. But what else might it possibly do? You put the pot over it, what does it do? It kills it. It smothers it. It gets rid of the fire altogether, right? So it either does one of two things. The song of fools either amplifies your foolishness or it smothers your, your ability to do the things that you're supposed to do. Anyway, we shouldn't listen only to praise that comes our way, all right? Now, all of us need to hear rebuke. All of us need to hear correction from time to time. But who should you listen to correction from? It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man. The reason you listen to your wife. Good man. Smart man, right? All right, so listen. A fool can try to give you advice, can try to correct you, can try to run you down, can try to put you down, can try to tell you all the things they wish you did and wish you didn't do. Don't listen to them. Ignore them. The, 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 the temptation is we listen to everybody, right? The old expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but a word will never hurt. That's hogwash too, isn't it? Because words can hurt us, man. Words can hurt our feelings. But now, it's all, you, you almost have to hear this. Consider the source. All right? So if, you, if you're being torn down by somebody, consider where it's coming from. If it's done as destructive, trying to tear you apart, that's foolish. Don't listen to it. If somebody comes to you out of love and says, look, Dean, here's some things I noticed. I just want to tell you, from a place of love, I'm trying to help you as a brother in Christ. Here are some things that I think would make you better, would make you stronger, would do this kind of thing. That then is done from a place of love. It's done with a right heart. And listen, the worst thing in the world we can do is to ignore that. Now, I can tell you, it's not fun, but some of the, growth, some of the biggest growth times in my ministry have been from people who were honest with me and came and sat down and said, look, let's, let's walk through this. Let's talk through this. I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm telling you this because I want you to be better. I'm telling you this because I want you to be here a long time. Somebody that comes to you with destructiveness in their life, they want you gone. They just want what they want. They want you gone. The person who comes with you from, with constructive criticism, they want to help you and support you, and they're probably going to walk with you all the way through that step. Listen, y'all. Sometimes people tell us hard things. What Sandy said a while ago when I told her that she was getting ahead of me. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes we don't want people to tell us the truth, but the truth builds you up. Even if it's not what you want to hear, the truth is in, the truth. And at the end of the day, it makes you better. It's encouraging if you listen. If you listen. If you take that good wisdom and apply it and make the changes that they 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 talk to you about, that is wisdom. That is growth. And look, it may have hurt your feelings when they said it. Uh, one thing that happened to me a few years ago, I had a lady, uh, I did, I, and they, it happened and I didn't even know it. Preacher preached a sermon when I was back in center, preached, preacher, preached, preacher preached a sermon, and you've all heard this before at the end of a sermon. Now, if there's anybody in this room tonight you need to get it right with, 
You need to go to them and apologize. If you need to go to them and, and put some things aside, don't let that stand between you and your relationship with God. You know, I'm, this is during the invitation. I'm standing on stage. Nobody's going to come talk to me, right? Why would they? I do a really, I'm magnificent all the time, right? Because we all think that about ourselves. We're all magnificent all the time. Standing there, the preacher's preaching. I start to watch people going around. This is awesome. The Lord's moving. The Spirit is taking people in a new direction, and relationships are being mended and restored, and we're going to be a better church. And all of a sudden, this lady walks up on stage. Are you lost? <laughs> you, you can't come up. This is, this, you know. I took my microphone, put it in my back pocket, because I, obviously I probably don't want everybody to hear this. And she tells me, I need to get something right with you, and I need to apologize. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I had done something that really offended her. I didn't know it. She and I talked and carried on all the time. She never let on like, I'd, like, like this. It'd be like if Miss Pat came to me and said, you, you said something to me that I didn't really like. But we, we've been doing this the whole time, right? And I, I was broken. She didn't do it out of a place of hate. She didn't call me out in front of everybody. She literally came to me and said, this is something that you did. I don't, I don't even, she even said, I don't think you know you did it. And I said, I had no idea. That you felt that way? I had no idea that I had done what you thought they said I did. Looking back on it, she was absolutely right. I, I confess to it. You're exactly right. That's what I did. I meant absolutely nothing towards you by doing it. She said, I forgive you. We were, we were, we were like that from that point forward. I thought we had a good relationship going into that, but we were like that from that point forward. I just didn't know. I needed to hear. But listen, there's a difference between hearing and listening, y'all. There's a difference between hearing and listening. You can hear something and not do anything with it, and it serves no purpose. you got to listen. And sometimes you got to take what those people tell you, what those people do, what that, that advice that they offer to you. you got to grow from it. I'm telling you, the, the, some of the biggest increases in my ministry, 28 years now, has been when people came and told me, you shouldn't be doing that, you should be doing this. And you know, in that moment, I got two choices. I can say, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. Or I can listen to it. I can, I can, I can internalize it. Now, I'm slow. I'm a slow, in, I, I internalize, I have to think about what that looks like. I, if you come to me and say, make this change, it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. I got to think about it, I got to process it, I got to go through all this other stuff. I'm telling you, Sometimes you've got to listen. A word of rebuke sometimes is better than a day of, 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 of praise, right? Verses 7 through 9. Verses 7 through 9 says this. Um, For oppression makes a, man, a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. All right. So basically, he's saying here, y'all, this is this is this is the easy way is not always the best way. So here, he basically tells the story in verse seven of a man who's impatient. Things aren't going his way. He feels oppressed. He feels beat down. He feels like everything in life is stacked against him. He's unable to accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish, and somebody offers him a bribe. Somebody offers him an easy way out. 
what he thinks is a better way, a quicker way, a faster way. It's going to get him right to where he wants to be, and he can skip all that junk in the middle that it takes to get him there. And the Bible says two things about that, or several things about that. It says, first of all, this, the, the, corrupt, the bribe corrupts the man's heart. All right, so it takes that internal nature, that internal desire that we have to, to, to be not great people. That's who we are apart from Christ. It's not great people. We're sinners. It takes that and it sort of expands it. It sort of makes it grow, right? And so he says that. Oppression makes a wise man mad and a bribe corrupts the heart. But he tells us basically in verse 8, patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Now, now I've gone to meddling here just a little bit because now I'm telling you that the best thing you can do is be patient. We've asked this question a lot today. If I asked you to raise your hands, right, how many of you are patient? I bet there's not many hands that are going to go up. Some of you are more patient than others, but look, we're, we don't, we're not patient. We're not, we don't live in a patient society. We live in a society of instant rice and fast food lanes and popcorn in a microwave, and we want everything right now because we don't want to wait for anything good. Solomon says sometimes you need to wait because sometimes in the waiting, there's things that God wants to teach you. There's things that God wants to show you. There's direction that God wants to provide for you. Sometimes you'd learn through the waiting what it takes to have when you get to where you want to be. Or better yet, when you get to where God wants you to be. See, we've talked in Sunday school the last few weeks about Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, right? And there was a lot of taking matters into their own hands. There was a lot of I don't want to wait. I don't want to be patient. I don't want to wait 24 years for a child. We'll, we got this figured out. We'll just, we'll just take care of it, right? God says you miss out on the good stuff. You miss out on the lessons. You miss out on the importance. You miss out on seeing how God was going to do it when you try to find an easy way to get to that point. And that's just not, that's not the plan. That's not how it works. We see here at the end of this, also he says, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. But now that doesn't mean that the beginning is not important. It's crucial to getting us where we want to go. You don't get to the end without the start, right? The beginning has to be, though, founded in God. The beginning has to be founded in doing the right thing, doing it the right way, not cutting corners, not taking shortcuts, not looking for the easy way to get there. Because sometimes the best way is the hard way. Uh, the way that teaches you the most, the way that shows you the most, the way that helps you understand how to, how to live and act when you get where he wants you to be is to have gone through all of the things that he wants you to go through. We must begin with God. He is the answer. We must trust. We have to wait, if necessary, for God to guide us where he wants us to be. All right, so, so far... We've said the sorrow is better than laughter. We've said scolding is better than lifting up. We've said the easy way is rarely the best way. The fourth thing that Solomon tells us here in verse 10 is today is better than the past. Now, if I asked y'all, again, this hypothetical question, to tell me about the good old days, I see, it all, I, see all, I see already the smiles on your faces. You're thinking back to all the wonderful things, like when you didn't have air conditioning, like when you had to get up and pick cotton 
and peace and when you when you when you had to go to the bathroom outside. I don't know why, you know, what, what, but now, and this is great, y'all. This is great. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just reading stuff. I'm just sharing, but I want to read this. This is, this is an awesome, awesome quote. It's been said that the good old days are a combination of bad memory and good imagination. See a few smiles and a few laughs. You're thinking about that. The good, it's been said that the good old days is a combination of bad memory and good imagination. And really what he's saying by that is you remember, you remember the good stuff. You, rem- you do. And I'm not, I'm not here to minimize the good old days. I'm really not. I am here to tell you that Solomon says the good old days. Look, I'm just going to read it to you so you don't think it's me saying it and get mad at me. All right, verse 10. Do not say, and this is, these are his words, this is Solomon, not Casey. Why is it that the former days were better than these? In other words, do not ask whatever happened to the good old days. Y'all with me? I'm just just reading Scripture. That's all I'm doing is just reading Scripture. He says at the end of verse 10, it's not from wisdom that you ask this question. It's not from wisdom that you ask this question. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't remember. I'm not saying there weren't lessons you didn't learn. Why does he tell us this? This is important because I'm not just picking on you. I promise. Why is it important that we understand that we shouldn't look back to the good old days? Because, because, because they're gone. Because they're over. Because you literally, if you could, you couldn't go back to them. You've learned lessons. You've taken, you've taken application from things. You've grown because of the good old days. But what do you have right now? You have right now. You can't do anything about what happened yesterday, six months ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. It's over. It's gone. You, you, you still have it. You can think back on it. You can remember it. But here, you don't have yesterday. It's gone. You're not promised tomorrow. What have you got? You got today. You got today. And that is Solomon's point. Again, he is not diminishing. He's not, he's not taking away from the good old days. He's not trying to say you should never think about them. You shouldn't remember them. He's just saying focus on today. You can't go back. You learn from it. Apply it. Take the memories. Take the lessons your parents taught you. Take the lessons you learned from, from the relationships you've had through the years. Those things are excellent. Those things are wonderful. But you can't go back. You got today. You may not have tomorrow. We may all not be here tomorrow. But doggone it, we're here right now. You're here right now. You have right now. You know that. You have right now. So stop focusing on the past. Stop looking so much to the future. I'm not saying you can't plan for the future. I'm just saying you have today. When can you serve God? Right now. Well, I could have served Him 20 years ago. Well, you know what? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but you can't do anything about it if you didn't. You can't go back and relive it if you did. You got today. Well, in six months, I'm going to, nope, you may not. James tells us that, right? James says life is just a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow, right? You may have six months from now to go do something for God, but you know what you you do have? 
today. We've talked about it a lot. Solomon's talked about it a lot over the last few weeks. This, and I've mentioned to you the, uh, the uh, what was the movie that Robin with the Goodwill Hunting? Is that what it was? The one, the, no, uh, Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society. The Carpe Diem. The, that, that, that seized the day. Solomon's big on this right now in the last couple of things we've read. Seize the day. Carpe Diem. Seize. Diem is the day. Take advantage of what you got. You don't have 20 years ago. You don't have 20 years from now. You got today. Is that clear? This minute, right? There. Yeah, you may not have this afternoon. That's right. You may not have lunch today. You got right now. When can I serve the Lord? Well, you got right now. When can, I, when can I do the right thing for God? Well, you know what? Right now is available. Well, how about if I do it Sunday? Well, you, great. When right now is on Sunday, then do it then. But until then, you got right now. That's pretty clear, right? That's not, that's not beating up on the good old days. That's not saying the good old days weren't the good old days, but you don't have them anymore. I mean, he's just, he's just as finicky about tomorrow, though he doesn't specifically say it. We can talk about the future. You don't have the future. You may not have the future. You don't know what the future is. You don't know what it holds. You know what you got? Y'all say it with me. Right now. Today. That's it, y'all. That's it. Take advantage of what God has given you. Take advantage of what God has blessed you with. Make the most of it and go serve Him in the present. Go serve Him in the present. I'm going to read one thing to you and I'm going to, be, I'm going to quit. I read this this morning. I could tell you who it's from, but you're probably, I don't know, I didn't know the name. You probably don't know the name. Just know that this is a quote. This is not me. While you are dreaming of the future or regretting the past, the present, which is all you have, can slip from you and be gone. Don't miss an opportunity to serve God, live for Him. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to what God had to say to us. If you have any questions about today's Bible study, you can call our church office at 205-339-4071, and we will be glad to answer any questions you might have. God bless you, and we hope to see you again next week.